Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. We are going to catch up with New Zealand's latest world champion. His name is Simon Cochran. He's a well-established athlete in the sport of triathlon over half Ironman and Ironman. But like a lot of others, he's decided to take the step up and push his body to new levels, to new limits. And in doing so, take on the World Ironman Endurance Event, which is a 10-kilometre swim, a 360-kilometre bike ride, and basically a 85-kilometre run or two marathons. He joins us on the programme. Simon, good afternoon. Welcome. How's it going? Good. I'm very envious. You're still in Hawaii. Yep, yep. Still down in Kona here for another 24 hours. Oh, lovely. Where are you at the moment? On the pier there, <laughs> are you? Uh, just actually outside Target because the girls are going for a shop. <laughs> How's the body, my good man? Not too bad. I mean, I'm used to being sore. So, you know, your body can only get so sore. Went out for a spin this morning and that, that helped. And I think just being in... The good weather and having a good race, you, you don't mind being sore. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll talk about the event shortly, but one of the big things with any event in Hawaii is acclimatising, getting used to the climate up there. It is much warmer. It tends to have a much higher level of humidity than perhaps what is happening here in New Zealand at the same time of the year. How long prior to the event did you go up to Hawaii to acclimatise? No, we only flew in three days before the event because the kids are at home with um some family so short trip but i did come up here for a week um at the ironman world champs with four women that i coach i got a week week in the heat about a month ago yeah now the ironman endurance world championship is it run on the same course as the ironman hawaiian ironman world championships yeah, so this Ultraman um, Hawaii has been going for 40 years. And yeah, it's it starts in the same spot, but you swim 10Ks up to Kyoho Bay. And then you actually ride um, away from Kona towards the volcano. And you finish day one after the 145K ride at the top of the volcano. And then day two, you start at the top, you descend down, and you wind your way around the back of the island and finish up at Harvey. Um, and then day three is running half of the Ironman bike course from Harvey back to Kona. Back through So you do a full loop of the island. So you basically come back through Waikoloa on the run, which can be mercury rising through there. (laughs) Boy, it can get pretty warm in that part of the course. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's 84Ks in a a straight line um, down Harvey, up through Waikoloa, and then along the 
the warm Queen K. Yeah, let's talk about um, Harvey, which is the turnaround for the Ironman World Championships. Um, it's a gradual climb up if you're coming from Kona for the actual Ironman World Championships. You're saying you're coming from the other direction. That's a long stretch downhill to start with. Is that a good thing or a bad thing, knowing that you've got 80 kilometres to run? The pounding on the body, the downhill it's- running? Yeah, it's a catch-22 because you are running faster, but it is 27 k's of descending to start your 84k run. So you hit the bottom, and then you've got that climb up Kauai High to the Queen K, and yeah, you hit a bit of a wall because your you, your quads of uh, quads are a bit smashed. Yeah, you feel like rubber legs, don't they? Yeah, yeah, and you've still got 55 k's to run at that stage. So when you get around the back of the island, um, my understanding is it's a lot wetter around the back, a lot greener. I have been up to the volcanic area. Is that a fair statement? What What's the scenery like versus, say, the traditional bike course at Ironman where it is the black lava fields? Yeah, I mean, there's still as many hills and there's, there's not quite as much lava and we got torrential rain and wind. Um, yeah, so coming down Volcano, you're descending for about 40 k's. Um, I think I averaged 58 k an hour for the first 40 minutes and that's just torrential rain hanging on. Mm. The swim. And then it just sort of slowly gets, yep. yep. No, no, go on. Sorry, Simon, go on. It's just a slight delay, that's all. Go on. I was going to say, and then and then once we once we wind our way around, it sort of just slowly gets warmer and drier until you're back to the, the normal coast where it's, yeah, sunny and scorching hot. Mm-hmm. I'd imagine, though, with the nature of this event, that probably having a bit of rain, having the course being slightly hilly and then having parts of the course sort of Chernobyl with the black lava fields, from a mental point of view, it might, must be quite nice that you do get a little bit of a change up, a little bit of a mix. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yep, yep. Um, yeah, a lot more, I guess, climbing than the traditional Ironman course. And then, yeah, you're getting slightly different winds and, yeah, rain. So you're getting a bit of everything. Mm-hmm. Let's go back to the swim, 10 kilometre swim. Are you allowed to swim in a wetsuit? Yes, yes, they they encourage that because this time of year is jellyfish season. Um, I think there was a couple that, that chose not to. Um, I chose to do it. It's bloody uncomfortable and super hot, but it is faster. <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely fast, and we should say that to people out there. Swimming in a wetsuit is definitely faster than swimming without a wetsuit. The water over there is incredibly warm. However, the wetsuits add to that warmth, and it can be uncomfortable. Of course, you can. People underestimate the fact, Simon, of course, you can dehydrate during a swim too. Um, I mean, you're still going to lose a litre of fluid every hour in the water, and that is something that you then need to um, reconcile with once you get out of the water. Yeah, yeah. we, we have. Um, you have to have a paddler with you for this one for... Um just for safety, I guess. So they are carrying a drink bottle and they're guiding your direction. Um, but yeah, we had a particularly rough day. So there was a lot of swell, a lot of chop. So swallowing some salt water and sort of, yeah, coughing all that up for the last few Ks. Um, and just that wetsuit heat, I didn't realise, yeah, how much that was going to affect late into the swim. I think the water temp was 26, 27. And then once you've got a wetsuit on and you've been swimming for, Two and a half hours, that gets pretty uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. And were there the jellyfish out there? Not that I saw, which is good. I mean, I, I felt a little sting on my ear at once, but didn't see anything and it wasn't wasn't a worry. Saw a couple of manta ray and a few people saw some dolphins. So the water's still nice and blue, even though it's choppy and wavy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of the great swims, the Hawaiian Eye, man. It's like basically swimming in an aquarium. And then I remember being up there one year with Cameron Brown and, 
watching Discovery Channel. It was Shark Week, and they had a documentary on the Tiger Shark of Kona, <laughs> the Tiger Shark of Kona. And I was thinking, yeah, probably not the right time to be showing that. Um, yeah, let's talk about that because you know, uh, with the wetsuit, as you mentioned, I mean, um, what what you ended up swimming two thirty seven was it for ten k. Uh, which is re- yeah, which yeah. is remarkable going ten kilometers in two hours and thirty seven minutes, and then uh, chafing off the back of it because of the wetsuit. Nah, pretty good. Um, yeah, it was a bit slower than my last couple this year. So I've swum two twenty two and two twenty four at my last couple, and I was in better swim shape as well. So it just shows how much the conditions and heat affected me. Like I was, I was pretty light headed, and yeah, as I say, just swallowing a bit much water to keep keep that pace up. And so that, getting onto the bike, I was a lot more, yeah, a lot more cooked than I was expecting. Yeah, and during that swim though, and you've got a self cater, so you can, you know, I can't, you, I'd imagine you're not allowed to touch your watercraft, but they're allowed to feed you, are they? Yeah, yeah. So he's just carrying a bottle, and I was sort of stopped. I think I stopped after three k, five k, and then yeah, near the end, taking taking more uh, more on as you need. Uh, you know, as you said, it's been going forty odd years. You've got, say, 45 of the best endurance athletes in the world there on the start line. From the gun, are you actually racing anybody, or is this just about you racing yourself and sticking to your game plan? Yeah, that's it. Across the three days, I was just there to race hard, get the most out of myself. Um, first and foremost, I was, I was heading there to win, but also, in my mind, I was racing the past 40 champions and trying to see how I stack up against their times over the years. Mm. Okay, so you come out of the 10k swim and then what, straight into a 180km bike ride, was it? Uh, 145, but it's got 2,500 metres of elevation. Oh, brilliant, eh? So promise what you can deliver and deliver more than you promise. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's that's with um, quite a bit of wind up that end of the coast and then the climb to Volcano is a 40k climb to finish um, at the top. And how how much... How tough was that mentally, that 140 kilometres off the back of that swim, knowing that that swim had taken a little bit more out of you than you'd anticipated? Yeah, it, it was. Um, and the start of the bike, there's there's some real pinchy climbs. So sort of an hour in, I was looking at my average speed, and it's only like 23k an hour, which is a bit demoralising for the effort that you're putting in. But then you do get a few descents and some faster sections, and then by the end I'd sort of, yeah, I think the the fueling once I got onto the bike had caught up and then the, the last climb I actually could could push that pretty hard, like yeah. an hour, 15 minutes or something for that, that final 40-minute climb. And again, on the bike, all self-catering or are there aid stations along the way? How do you fuel yourself on the bike? So you've got a, a crew, support crew in the car, so it's full open road, so it's stopping at stop signs, uh, traffic lights, give way, everything. Um, and your crew can drive up the road in the car, they jump out, can hand you drink bottles, directions motivation that sort of thing so it's quite cool you can um yeah take on a bit more cold water more often than you would get from an aid station um and then yeah your family can provide you with yeah whatever you feel like at that moment do you get disqualified if you don't obey the road rules yep yep apparently they're they're pretty strict with that um yeah so there's there's people at some of the bigger intersections that are just making sure that yeah no one's flying through red lights or anything like that so that is the opportunity to jump on your drink bottles, grab your food, turn that downtime into um, trying to make time up later on. 
Yeah, especially day two, you're going through the main town of Hilo on that other side. Um, and I think we had like seven sets of traffic lights and I probably got five of them red. Um, so you just got to really stay calm and, yeah, take on some more fluids and not stress about it. Everyone's in the same boat and it's just a little bit of luck there. Now, bike setups in the main race of Hawaii for the Ironman World Championships, traditionally no disc wheels on the bike because of the crosswinds and the danger that goes with that. Uh, these days we see a lot of deep carbon rim wheels. Um, Tyres tend to be not you know, lesser air pressure than what historically was once used, and there's a lot more technology around it. In terms of your bike setup, how do you set your bike up knowing that you've got a lot of climbing to do, um, that you are going to have some crosswinds in terms of knowing what wheels you're going to use and just generally how you set your bike up in regards to aero bars, etc.? Now, due to some difficulties, we just cut our guest off. I think we cut him off. Simon Cochran. Now, he's just recently won or over the weekend, <laughs> yeah. won the Ultraman World Championships in Kona. He smashed the race record by 44 minutes. Uh, Simon, we were halfway through our conversation. I was talking about your bike setup. I mean, this course, as you said, it, it, it varies over the 360 kilometres, a lot of climbing in it, stretches where maybe being in a pure time trial position you can maximise your efficiency how did you set your bike up did you have more than one bike were you allowed more than one bike yeah you are allowed multiple bikes and wheels and that sort of thing but I just travelled with mine and yeah I still have my normal aggressive position that I'd use for half Ironman Ironman I mean I'm so used to that position now I've done multiple 300k training rides on it in the build up um, and that position is comfy the whole time. Um, yeah, not allowed to squeals here because of the wind, so I just had a 60 mil on the front and a 88 mil on the rear, which, yeah, seemed to work quite nice. Mm. And so we're talking about the length of the carbon rims just for people who are not um, aficionados with the sport of cycling. Right, let's get on to the run. Swim and bike for show, run for dough. I have a saying when it comes to the marathon, 20 miles, I hope, 6 miles of truth. Of course, we're doubling the distance there. <laughs> What's that threshold? Is it 50 kilometres of hope, 30 kilometres of truth, 10 kilometres of hope, 70-odd kilometres of truth? When does it, when uh, is it, when does it, when does the ultimate head gain ultimately start? Well, because of that, yeah, that first 27Ks are downhill, you're actually feeling good and, and feeling all right. Um, and then clocking through the marathon, I went through at 2.59, still feeling pretty good. And then it actually swung around to a headwind, um, which cooled it off a little bit, but then it was really hard to hold pace with the, the rolling hills and a, a block headwind for the last 35Ks. Oh, block in for the last 35. So so how do you break that down? Are you just breaking it down in small segments? I mean, take us through the mind game that you're playing. Yeah, I mean, I, I had a time goal to try and if I could if I could run under 6.12, I'd be the first person to go under 21 hours. Um, and up until halfway, I was pretty confident in that. And then, yeah, I was just sort of working it out and getting splits from the crew for um, the last 30Ks, really. And it was quite close up until the last 5k and then I was like right I just got to hold sort of 4.45 per k for the last few k and I'd, I'd make it a nice feeling. Mm-hmm. And let's talk about the training side of it because running is a weight bearing sport it's easy to, well it's not easy I mean you can get away with riding 300 kilometres um, because it's a non-weight bearing sport and you can train your body to do it and there's a whole lot of other factors. Running, because it is weight-bearing, once you do start to get above 40 kilometres, uh, the exponential fatigue of get, exponential curve of fatigue does kick in. So in regards to building up and training for that, 
take us through that process over the last two years to be able to actually handle the training sessions, be able to wake up the next day or two days later and be able to back it up? Yeah, so my sort of theory is I've been doing a long run every weekend, which is generally half of my weekly run volume, um, just to get used to yeah that that pounding and even the mental side of the long runs. So I've I've run thirty four marathons in training this year now. Um, so my theory is one way to get good at running marathons is running marathons regularly and getting used to that. And, and, and you handled that okay physiologically? You didn't break down? You didn't get sick? No sort of glandular fever or any of those other things? No, no. Um, yeah, as I say, the run volume for the whole week, not huge, like 80 to 90 k's a week, but half of that run volume was in one run. So, so I'm still having two or three days off running every week, which I think is key in the recovery yeah, no, really smart way of doing it, 100%, absolutely. Yeah, no, brilliantly done, brilliantly orchestrated. Simon, you must have very good physiology in terms of not breaking down. And I mean, clearly you've got a head like granite, you know how to push and you've got the mental side of it. But, you know, a lot of people would, you know, a lot of people, self included, cramp really easily. You must have a really good physiology in terms of just being able to push and not get that breakdown, not get those muscular issues that perhaps some of us do get. Do you take supplements during the race? Um, how do you manage that? I mean, I think my fueling in general is good. Um, I, I just use Tailwind liquid, keep it pretty simple. Um, and that's just what I use for training as well. So there's there's no real, yeah, magic formula. It's sort of just getting in plenty of carbs um, throughout the, the race. And then in training as well, I don't think enough people actually train their stomach to tolerate that. So then when they get to race day, especially when you're running for 6,000 heat, if you haven't trained that amount, then that's when you can get mm. stomach issues and... Yeah, then it all turns to shit. Yeah, training's remarkable, isn't it? It's a dress rehearsal. Show your body in training what happens on race day down to the smallest details. And I often say this, I see a lot of athletes training at an aerobic level and sitting up in a bunch and drinking and being able to do it comfortably. Yep. Then come race day, you've got the nerves, you're in that tuck position, you're in that aero position, your heart rate's a little bit higher, and then they wonder why perhaps they can't absorb the carbohydrate or can't absorb the fluids. Yep, big time. And that's that's something that I drill into the athletes that I coach as well. There's a lot of specific sessions close to the race where you're working at race intensity, trying to hit the exact fueling that you want for the day because, yeah, you can't expect to do it on the day then, um, if you haven't done it in training. It's a hard discipline though, isn't it? It's, it's, it's easy in training. It's hard on race day to actually still have that discipline, the fourth discipline, eating and drinking. Yep, yep, exactly. And that lets down a lot of people. Yeah, what do you get for winning? the Ultraman World Championships? Zero. Just the kudos of being crowned the world champion. That's it. Yep, yep. <laughs> what does that feel like, to wake up and go, I'm Simon Cochran, I'm a world champion? I mean, you've worked hard, Simon. That's pretty I've, good. I've watched, I mean, you, I've watched you over the years, mate, and you've toiled away, and I'm, I desperately love you to win the Tauranga half in February, I think, or January, I think you'd probably do, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you've been there or thereabouts. <laughs> yep, so you've had yep. some very good athletes over that distance in front of you, um, but it must, you know, for all the hard work you've put in, and I'd imagine you've had some hard times too, it must be a great reward to have that recognition and have that crown attached to your name. Yeah, definitely, and I think just um, out of the this year, the whole build-up and just managing the racing, the training, and life around it all, um, and yeah, executing it on the day when it when it counted, when the when the pressure's on. You must have an amazing wife and an amazing support crew because there's a saying in 
triathlon endurance sport, you know when you're overtraining because you meet more than three bastards in a day. And <laughs> that means that you're basically grumpy, really grumpy. And I know that we all get grumpy. And when we're grumpy, we tend to take it out on those closest to us. How have you managed that dynamic? I think you just eat more. That's what my wife says. She said, if, 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 I'm, if I'm angry or shitty, she says, go and eat something else. Yeah, yeah and leave me alone. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's literally, yeah, yeah if, I'm, if I'm a bit angry or shitty, it's because I'm tired and underfueled. So that's been the big focus this yeah. year, just eating a lot and all the time. Yeah, and she's probably walking around with those um, soundproof headphones, is she? <laughs> nah, can nah. block out good. the external noises, Simon. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Hey, what's next, mate? Um, well, I have entered Taupo seventy point three in ten days, but we'll we'll wait till I get back home and do my first run, and I'll I'll make a call. I've got quite a few athletes racing, so I'll be heading down anyway, and I enjoy racing, and I won't feel pressured to perform. So I'm probably quite keen to just jump in and and have a crack, and yeah, get get on with the New Zealand season as well. Yeah, and we're going to see you at Tauranga. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yep, yep. I think that'll be my 13th year there. Now, what's your best finish there? Third, fourth? Oh, I've had five fourths. Five yeah. fourths? I haven't even cracked the podium. Yeah. Yeah, hey, you're due though, big guy. You are due. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we'll have a good crack at that in Ironman New Zealand this summer. And then, um, yeah, so I'll leave Tarawera 100 mile this summer so I can, yeah, maybe push a bit harder for Ironman New Zealand. It's it's been hard, hasn't it? You've come into an era with Cameron Brown, the likes of Braden Curry, um, and uh, yeah, two very very good athletes to try and get past over the half distance. But you've clearly found your niche over this ultra uh, ultraman and distance. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And yeah, I just enjoy the halves and the fulls, and um, not being a, a full time pro athlete as well, I enjoy just lining up against those guys and having a crack. Mm. Well, Simon, hey, look, congratulations, mate. Outstanding achievement. Thoroughly deserved, mate. It couldn't go to a nicer bloke, and well done. No, thank you very much, and I'm sure we'll see you over summer. Yeah, absolutely. Simon Cochran there, our most recent uh, world champion, crowned Ultraman world champion. Smashing the race record by 44 minutes, a 10-kilometre swim in around 2 hours, 30-odd minutes in tough, tough conditions, 360-kilometre bike ride and 84-kilometre run done in a space of 20 hours and 57 minutes. Uh, put that in a hairdryer, deal with the self-catering that goes on. Um, I cannot, cannot describe to you just how tough the Big Island of Hawaii is in regards to uh, the challenges it throws up. Hope you enjoyed that interview. It is coming up to 2.30. You are listening to SENZ. We will take a break. We'll come back with some sports headlines and then we'll talk some National Basketball League.